how many of you know that you can find yourself able to do anything if you have the right motivation? Amen. What I'm talking about, I was reading a story about a man, he was uh, on his way home and he was taking a shortcut and he cut through a cemetery. And as he was walking through the cemetery, it was dark, he couldn't see, and they had opened a, a grave and had not covered it up and he fell inside of it. And he was jumping up trying to get out of it. He was hollering from the top of his lungs and throwing rocks and dirt and screaming for somebody to come by. And nobody was coming by. And he finally figured, I'm, I'm just going to have to settle in here and wait till morning, you know, and somebody will come by. And so he got in the corner and he just sat down and sitting there. And after two, three hours, there was a, a man had been drinking, stumbling through the cemetery, and he fell in the same hole. And when he fell in the same hole, he jumped up and he started, you know, yelling, trying to get out and, you know, jumping and everything. The other fellow is watching him do all this and he reaches over and taps the guy on the shoulder and he said, fella, there's no getting out of here, but he got out. <clears throat> right motivation can cause you to do anything. Everybody say, I need to be motivated. Sometimes you can do beyond what you think you're capable of, but it's not you doing it any longer. See, Paul said it this way, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Everybody say, through Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. I, while you're going there, let me just announce that uh, we will not have trunk or treat here. We didn't have enough, we didn't have any trunks sign up to do any treats out of, so... Uh, you'll be able to do that at your home, all right? Mark, the fifth chapter, starting with verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, God, and your love. We just ask you, God, to have your way in the service today. Lord, let our hearts be open to what you're speaking to us, God. I pray, Father, that you let me decrease so you can increase, and we'll give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I, I want to speak to you a little while on this topic. If you would say this with me, what's your name? <laughs> say it one more time. What's your name? Have uh, you ever forgot somebody's name and it, it, it's real embarrassing right and I can't tell you how many times Debbie and I have been in town and meet somebody and you know we'll be talking and 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 in the midst of the conversation you know we'll cut our eyes at each other and and trying to figure out what their name is and then how many of you've ever heard a name and you couldn't pronounce the name you know, you're, if you're trying to interview someone and you're butchering their name every time you say it, it can get really embarrassing, right? So you try and make sure that you know how to pronounce their name. And then sometimes you forget. <laughs> and so uh, this passage that I read here, it talks about a young man and it describes him and it describes him in unique terms. It talks about that this man is wild. As a matter of fact, in one passage in the Gospel of Luke, it describes him that he had no clothing, that he, ran, he, he kept his abode where he lived at was in the tombs. Jews didn't go around tombs. It made them ceremonially unclean. So, but he is in the tombs. And he's screaming out night and day. He's tormented. Not only that, but the scripture says that chains couldn't hold him. They had literally bound this man with chains and shackles. 
shackles are fetters that they clamp around your feet. And the Bible said that when they put those on him, he broke the chains on his hands, pulled them apart, and took the shackles and literally broke them into pieces. I don't know how many of you have ever tried that, but that's not humanly possible, so there's something else at work inside this guy. What I, while I don't know all of his history, I do know this. I know that that young man didn't start out that way. I know that that's not how he began his life, that it was a progression that something happened that began to change him, and the more he moved toward it, the worse he got. If you would throw up that first picture, how many of you recognize him? He's responsible for killing 20 million people. His name is Stalin. He was a dictator in Russia, and he was feared. He had a general that was coming up in ranks, and he was afraid of the general. So Stalin ordered the general to have a checkup, to have a physical. And then he ordered the doctor that was performing the physical to murder him. And that's exactly what he did. When he went in for the checkup, the doctor killed him. He, he, he was a diabolical wretch. He wasn't that way his whole life. At some point, there was a mother that held him in her arms and cared for him and loved him, and, but something changed him. Throw up the next picture. How many of you know this man? Adolf Hitler, he was responsible for millions dying, six million Jews in the Holocaust. That's not counting all the lives that he took or, or he was responsible for having taken during World War II. This is just people that were helpless and defenseless. He took babies from mothers and murdered them. He did horrendous acts to them. But he was not always that way. Something happened to him. As a matter of fact, in his beginning, he had a religious background. I, I read somewhere where there was a priest that had influence on his life. But something happened, and it changed him. Everybody say change. So this is what I want you to understand, that the horrors that we hear about, things that we hear people doing, they weren't always that way. I mean, you know, all you have to do is look at the news. If you look at the news, last week there's a guy that walks into a bowling alley and murdered 18 people, just started shooting. There's a, there, there were a, a couple of weeks ago a guy stabbed another guy and he didn't even know him he just walked by him on the sidewalk and then turned around and came back and stabbed the guy things that are unheard of but I'm telling you that nobody starts out to be that way but what happens is we get overcome with things in our life that begin to take control of us how many of you have ever been so angry before that you could spit how many of you went ahead and spit? How many of you have been in a, oh, I'm not, I, I might not ought to, you don't have to comment on this one, but how many of you have ever uh, had somebody cut you off in traffic and you just decided to follow them really close for a long time? Ben does that all the time. <laughs> He's a state trooper. <laughs> He's allowed to. So, but what I'm saying is all of a sudden we're overcome with emotion. How many of you have ever had your heart broken? And what that did to you is it caused you to pull back so you didn't expose your heart to anyone again. So you thought in your mind, I'm protecting myself from a broken heart, but you were also keeping yourself from love. 
Because when you close your heart off, you can't know either one. How many of you have ever been so bitter that it began to affect your health? You know, there's something unique that I've discovered is that bitterness causes cancer. It's not the only thing that can cause it, but bitterness does cause cancer. They found out that it releases a toxin in your system. So you can't afford to get bitter. How many of you have ever been fearful? How many of you have ever tasted fear? I'm not, I, that, that's not an, I mean, that's, that's a real deal, man. I've tasted fear. It comes up in the back of your mouth. What are you talking about? I don't know how it happens. I just know when that pit bull came after me, right there, buddy, I tasted it. It was right up in my mouth, and I thought, oh, man. And I, you know, whipped that bicycle around and had it like that. And I thought you were not going to get me, and his buddy showed up. I tasted it again. <laughs> and I was afraid that they were getting ready to taste me. But thankfully, the owner came out and hollered at him and got him back before they got to me. And I thought, I am not going this, down this road again without a shotgun. And then we'll see who tastes what. So it was, it, it, it's just things enter our lives that can change us for the good or for the bad. This young man found himself in a mess, totally isolated, totally by himself, and he's in torment. I want you to look at this next scripture. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, in other words, Jesus had said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Here's a guy that's lost control of his life, and the devil has robbed him of who God called him to be. But the first thing that happens is when he sees Jesus, he runs to him to worship him. He sees him at a great distance, and he runs to him. Now, one or two things happened. Either when Jesus spoke to that man and said, come out of him, that the devil lost enough grip that that man came to himself enough to understand that the only individual that can help me is in front of me, and he ran to worship him or it shows that the devil got completely humiliated because as we discover later that there are many demons in this man and in spite of how many demons were in this man, he found himself prostrate, laying himself down and humbling himself in front of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want you to understand that God is bigger than what's trying to hold you. I mean, think about it. If God can do that, if... if let me go to the next passage here. Jesus asked, it says in verse 9, then he asked him, what's your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. When he answered, when the devil said, my name is Legion, he's speaking to Jesus in military terms. Legion is not a name, it's the description of, of a Roman regiment that consisted of 6,000 men. He said, my name is Legion. What he's saying basically is this. He's not identifying who the demons are. What he's saying is, we're powerful, we're many, and we've come for war. Pretty intimidating, isn't it? Thousands of demons... They're equipped to do war. We're many. 
we're powerful, and we come from war. But the next passage is what got me excited. The next passage of Scripture is what made me get a little happy. The devil's talking about how powerful he is, but watch what happens in verse 10. It said, and then he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. There are thousands of demons that are begging God for mercy. Thousands of demons stand before the Son of God, and they have got to bow themselves before him. They can't control him. They can't intimidate him. And hear me today, if they can't intimidate the Son of God, and you know who Jesus is, then they shouldn't be able to intimidate you either. The devil is afraid of him. Then why are we afraid of the devil? It's because we don't know who we are. It's because somewhere along the line, we lost our identity. We forgot who God made us to be, and we allowed circumstances to intimidate us and begin to change us. We allowed people to begin to identify us instead of allowing God to identify us. And when you lose who you are, you're lost. What are you talking about you're lost? Have you ever read accounts of people that had amnesia? They don't know where they live. They don't understand their background. They cannot identify where they belong or who they belong to. I'm telling you, the devil is doing his best to take away your thought process. He's doing his best to get you to a point that you're intimidated, that you're fearful, that you're afraid, that anger's controlling you, that bitterness is controlling you, that desperation or heartbreak is controlling you. But the truth is, is that God is the one that has control. And when we recognize that and surrender to him, then the devil can't have a place. Somebody say, what is your name? It doesn't matter what kind of hold the devil has on you. Don't give up. Jesus Christ is still able to set you free. The Bible says in St. John 8 and 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. How many of you have ever felt like something was controlling you. You know what I'm talking about? Let's be real with each other. Have you ever experienced something in your life where all of a sudden you, so, a, a series of events took place and it caused you to do something that you thought you would never do? Caused you to say something you thought you would never say? And all of a sudden you find yourself beginning to question what in the world is going on inside of my life? I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this is happening. I remember I was, I, I, I was in my teens, and I was out with a bunch of friends, and, they, and I didn't, when I started out, I didn't intend to be where I was at. But one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I found myself out I couldn't even tell you where I was at. I just know I didn't know where I was at. I, I, I wasn't on any main road. We went off some road, and we were out in the country someplace, and all of a sudden, bottles started popping off, and everybody's drinking, and everybody's, oh, come on, come on, come on. And I looked at him, I said, no, I don't want anything. Oh, come on, you'll get used to it. And listen, you can get intimidated into doing things that you normally wouldn't do. And all of a sudden, they, they start trying to use intimidation on me. And I looked at him, and I said, look, I don't have to drink to prove I'm a man. I, I know what I know who I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the truth is, is while I was there, I started praying. I thought, God, I don't know how I even got out here. But if you get me out of this mess, I, I promise you I'm never going to get myself back into it. We need God to deliver us. What are you smiling about, Pat? Because some of y'all looking at me calm, cool, and collected like you ain't never had a problem in your life. How many of you have ever needed God to rescue you from yourself? You know what I'm talking about? This guy 
is in a mess. He doesn't know who he is. What's your name? Can I tell you that you are not who your mama said you are? You are not who your daddy said you are. You're not who your friends say you are. You're not who society says you are. You are who God said you are. You were created in his likeness, made in his image, and you may be a million miles away from God, but he's not a million miles away from you. Uh, he knows exactly where you're at. Uh, Jesus didn't happen to come across this guy. Jesus intentionally went to where that guy was uh, because he was going to let the devil know you've had him long enough. Uh, he may not be able to break free from you, uh, but I'm able to set him free. Uh, come on, somebody, and understand what I I'm saying that Jesus came to set us free. Free. You know what? How many of you know who Houdini was? You know what I'm talk talking about? Do you know that Houdini made his living escaping things? He was known as a great escape artist. What a lot of folks aren't aware of is that Houdini had made a statement that there's no cell that could hold him, and he had proved it over and over again. He would go into local areas and let them lock him up in the cell, and then they would go away, and within just a few minutes, he was out of the cell. And nobody could ever figure out how, how he was able to do that. Until he happened upon one town and they put him in a cell and the jailer closed the door he left and houdini went to work on the lock but he couldn't get it to turn a man that was used to being free in a matter of moments <laughs> was breaking a sweat and those moments turned into minutes and minutes an hour and after an hour of desperation he thought man I cannot get out of here and he leaned against the door to holler at the jailer to come and let him out and when he leaned against the door it opened up the jailer had never locked the door Houdini had wrestled for uh, over an hour with a prison that did not hold him captive. Oh, you, you need to understand what I'm saying. When you, when you finally get who you are and you understand that I'm a child of God, I was made in the image of God, there is no cell that can hold you, uh, no circumstance that can trap you, uh, no devil uh, that can bind you uh, when you depend on him. Jesus came to rescue him. And can I tell you that Jesus didn't wrestle with it? I've heard accounts of people, you know, oh man, we had to, we had to wrestle that devil. He didn't. He said, come out. And the devil said, where to? <laughs> Literally, the devil's begging for mercy and the devil says, don't, don't make us go back to the abyss. Don't, don't send us to that place that we're doomed for at the end of eternity they said if, if we got it they they didn't do you understand they didn't say we're not going anywhere they looked at Jesus and said I'm begging you don't don't make us go to the abyss could we go into that herd of pigs over there Jesus looked at me and said I don't like bacon anyway no he didn't say that he he they, Jews didn't eat pork because it was considered unclean. And Jesus let them go in to the pigs, and the pigs didn't even want the devils. The pigs ran down a steep cliff into the ocean and were drowned. I'm telling you, wherever the devil shows up, it's destruction. Wherever the devil goes, he's trying to destroy things. But Jesus came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. We have to recognize who we are. There's a scripture in Genesis 32 and 24. It says, then Jacob was left alone. If you would go ahead and put up that picture. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. 
and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. An angel shows up and Jacob is wrestling with him. And Jacob is so desperate. You have to understand where he's at. He's coming back home and his brother is coming after him. He's coming with 400 men. And Jacob had stolen his brother's birthright and then stolen his blessing. And now he, 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 he's going to kill me. He's going to kill my whole family. He's going to wipe me out. And he separated himself and he's alone there. And God shows up. An angel of the Lord shows up and starts wrestling him. Have you ever found yourself in a wrestling match with God? over things that are going on in your life and circumstances that are happening around you and, and you're engaged in a wrestling match and all of a sudden that angel grabbed hold of the hollow of his thigh took the hip and took it out of joint and you talk about pain man he winces in pain and the angel said let me go and Jacob's got a hold of him and he's saying I'm not going to let you go until you bless me and the angel says, what is your name? Jacob. That's who they told me I was. A heel grabber. I, I trip people up. I deceive them. I undermine them. That's what my name means. And I've lived it out my whole life and I'm so sick of who I am anybody ever been there I'm so tired of who I've become but that angel responds to Jacob and he said so can I would you let me put it in plain English the angel responds to Jacob and says boy that's not who you are <laughs> Your name isn't Jacob. You see, I came today to find out how much you really want God. I came and we're engaged in a wrestling match to find out if you're just going to pass it off, if you're just going to let go, or if you're going to make up your mind that you're going to hang on with everything you got because you're ready for a change. And he said, your name is not Jacob. Your name is Israel because as a prince, you've got power with God and with man, and you've prevailed. I found, you know, I mean, it's just, you got to ask yourself this question, how much do you want him? A story about a man dating a girl, and he tells her, he said, baby, he said, I'd cross the highest mountain for you. Honey, I'd swim the deepest ocean. I would traverse the hottest desert for you, and I'll see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. Sometimes all those words just seem a little hollow. We talk about how much we love God, but the first time something happens we don't like, we're gone. We leave. I thought to myself, I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to hang on with everything I've got because I remember what life was like without him. I don't want that anymore. I want to be with him. Everybody say, I want to be with him. What is your name? I refuse to allow the names people call me to identify me. Any of you ever been called names before? You ever been so thin that people looked at you and said you could stand underneath a clothesline and not get wet that wasn't my problem when I was a child I was very thin until the third grade from the time I was born until the third grade, my daddy kept telling me, son, you need to put on some weight. 
you need to put on, he was scared to death I was going to get sick during the winter. And, you know, passed. He said, you need to put on some weight. You need to put on some weight. Third grade, I put on some weight. Daddy looked at me and said, you need to lose some weight, boy. I looked at Daddy and said, you need to make up your mind. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was, I, from the third grade on, I had this, we, I called it baby fat that accompanied me everywhere I went. And then all of a sudden, when I got into high school, you know, my junior year of high school, all the baby fat disappeared. And I, 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 I was running four miles a day, and, and it was all gone, and, and I didn't have that anymore. And I thought, I'm free. I got married. My baby fat showed back up. <laughs> and I told Debbie, I said, look what you did to me. And so, what, what, are you, what are you saying? I, I'm saying you're not going to be effective in changing yourself. You have to let God change you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And you can't be intimidated and moved every time somebody calls you something. When I was 18 years old, I was, I, I was going to church, and I'm telling you, I got excited about God, and I had people in the church say I was a smart aleck teenager. I thought, what is my crime, man? What, what did I do? And I was just excited about God, but everybody doesn't want to get excited about God. Everybody's not excited about being here. I don't understand why. But I'm telling you this, that if you allow the devil to continue to control your emotions, he is going to keep you wrapped up, and you're never going to experience joy. But in the moment you make up your mind, I'm going to run to the one that can make a difference. I'm going to lay it all down at his feet. I'm not going to try and do this on my own anymore. You see... As long as we depend on ourselves, there's no contest. We're never going to win. We'll lose every time. When our faith is in our flesh and not in God. But when we turn to God and refuse to let go the way Jacob did. Jacob had navigated his life for so long and had manipulated his situations but he finally came to that point where I can't manipulate this I can't change this and he cried out to God and God heard him and when God showed up it hurt how many of you know sometimes it hurts when you're being separated from who you were sometimes you may lose friend sometimes you may lose family around you know that they don't want to be around you anymore because you you've changed your life and actually you didn't change it God did and they don't like what God did in your life I had a guy look at me I used to run around with him when I was younger and he was older he was like in his late 20s I was in I was probably like 16, 17 years old, and we ran around, and, and it doesn't matter what we did, but we ran around, and, and when I had an encounter with God, and I mean I had an encounter with God, all of a sudden I showed up, and he looked at me, and he said, Rick, he said, what happened to you? You've changed. I said, Troy, let me tell you what happened. And Troy goes, no, no, that's all right. I said, no, man, i got to tell you what happened. I was so excited about it, I wasn't going to keep it quiet. Turn around, look at your name, go, Psst, come here. I want to tell you about Jesus. I can't believe y'all did that. <laughs> what you say? You see, you're allowing someone to control your volume. You're allowing someone to control the way you share Christ. Don't let the world control you. There'll always be someone trying to make you be quiet. Always someone trying to hush you up. You got to make up your mind. I'm going to say it loud and I'm going to say it strong that Jesus is alive and He's well. Somebody say He's well. Look, the guy that was possessed wants to go with Jesus. 
he, he comes, Jesus is getting in a boat, and he wants to go with him. And Jesus tells him, no, you can't go. He, I mean, what, what do you mean I can't? He, he wants to be with Jesus. He, he, he wants to leave everything behind him, and he just wants to be in the presence of God. Anybody ever felt like that? But he tells him no. Why? Because there's work to do. He didn't set that guy free so he could run away from where he'd been. He set him free so he could tell everybody that knew where he'd been what happened to him. Watch this. Check this out. When, when those pigs go in, I mean, when those devils go into the pigs and the pigs run down and drown, there's some folks that run into town to tell everybody what happened. Guess who those people are? They're the ones that were taking care of the pigs. <laughs> they thought, man, I just lost 2,000 head of pigs. And I'm, I'm getting ready to lose my job. I'm not taking the blame for this. They run into town and start telling everybody about the guy that was naked and possessed running around the tombs and what happened. And he's telling everybody, the, all those pigs are dead. Everyone comes out to see what happened. And guess who's leading the band? The guy that owned the pigs. You're not going to lose 2,000 pigs and just turn the other cheek. And so he goes, they're, they're all out there, and when they get there, they see this guy that was possessed, setting clothes. He's got clothes on. He's in his right mind. He's talking to Jesus. His disciples are there, and they see all these corks, pork corks, floating around on the ocean, 2,000 of them dead out there. And this is what they say to Jesus. Get on out of here, man. We don't want you around here. I'm thinking, wait a minute. What just happened? Why in the world would folks rather keep company with demons than with God? I think there's a couple reasons. Let me tell you the first one. Is that because when the presence of God shows up in your life, it's going to cost you something. When Jesus showed up, it cost a guy 2,000 head of pigs. Because there's some things that don't belong in your life. And can I tell you, I hope you get the spiritual implication of this. You don't need swine in your life. Do you know that pigs will eat you alive? I had an uncle, I guess it was a great uncle. I was told about it when I was a kid. He, he, he fell in his hog pen. They found him later. He was dead. They, eat, they ate him. There are, Jesus made the statement, and Jesus said this, don't cast your pearl before swine. Now, he's not talking about regular pigs. He's saying don't cast your pearl before swine lest they turn again and rend you. In other words, he's saying don't allow someone to tear your life apart because you believe in who I am. Don't let somebody else identify you. I'm the only one that can identify you. I'm the only one that can tell you who you are. Don't believe what everybody else is saying. Don't let them rend you. Don't let them tear you apart. And so those pigs died. It cost something. Listen, when you, when you pray God, I want a close relationship with you. It's going to cost you something. I can, I can guarantee you one thing it's going to cost you is time. Because you're not going to get a close relationship with God if you're not spending time with him. So you're going to have to spend time with him. The other thing is, is that when the presence of God shows up, it demands a change. How many of you remember the first couple? Shout it out. Adam and Eve. Do you remember what they did when God came looking for them? They hid. Why? Because they messed up. 
Do you not get that that is the oldest trick in the book of the devil? The very first couple that ever lived, the devil convinced them that because they messed up, they needed to hide from God. Can I tell you, when you mess up, it's when you need to run to God. You need to let him know, I need some help. He didn't destroy them. He didn't, he, he didn't strike them down with lightning. He made a way for them to find their way back to him. I'm telling you, no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you've done, no matter what has tried to get a hold of you, God has come in flesh. The Bible said that Jesus is God manifest in flesh. He came to set us free. He came because he recognized we could not free ourselves. Would you stand with me? The question is, what are you going to do with what he's done? Do you realize that in this, this passage, if you read that through, we're never told the man's name. It never identifies the man, never gives the man's name. The truth is, it doesn't give the demons names either. All it said about the demons was there were a lot of them. Never gave their name. Why? Because their names don't matter. There's only one name that matters there. And it's found in Philippians 2 and 9. It says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the only name that mattered. He has highly exalted him, given him a name above every name. Somebody shout it. Jesus. Let's try it over here. Are you ready? Jesus. Oh, there's more people let's try it together everybody get your vocal cords good and stretched are you ready on three one two three can I tell you that when you really call that name and you and it, and it comes natural it's when you find yourself in a mess when all of a sudden you find yourself in desperation nobody's got to coax you nobody's got to say come on say a little bit louder you're going to go Jesus Above every name. Pastor, what should I do if people tell me they don't want to hear it? Thank you. Tell them anyway. Well, I don't want to be rude. Well, why? You, it's not the first time. I mean, it's not like you've never been rude in your life, right? If you, if, if you, if you had something that you were passionate about, you tell them about it. I, you, you're going you're gonna to make sure that they know. And this is something that's worth making sure that they know. Shout it out, Jesus. Now here, I want to take a moment. If you're in this place, and you may not be going through it right now, but I can promise you, you either have or you will in the future how do you know that because Paul said I die daily what was Paul saying Paul saying look man I wrestle with my flesh every day and I've come in here today to tell you that if the devil has told you that what you're going through you might as well throw up your hands and quit he lied to you if he's told you that you're beyond hope, he lied to you. If he told you you might as well give up and just walk away, he 
lied to you. Jesus has come to set the captive free. The devils know that there's one. He said, you believe that there's one Lord, you do well. He said, the devils know and they tremble. They're scared to death of God. They fear Jesus. Why? Because they know who he is. And hear me, when you understand who he is, you won't have to be afraid of the devil anymore either. What are you talking? I'm telling you that he won't be able to control your life because you give your life. I had someone here a while back, there was a, a, an individual, and she, she attempted to take her life, tried to kill herself. Debbie was going to talk to her, and I told Debbie, when you talk to her, I want you to say this to her. Tell her she needs to act like she was successful. Well, what do you mean? In other words, you were getting ready to throw your life away, so let's believe that you were successful, that it's no longer your life. And now, instead of throwing it away, you're going to give it away to Jesus. You're going to give it to him. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You already tried to forfeit it. Now it's his. You saw what happened when we try and navigate on our own. But can I tell you what happens when all of a sudden you let him do the navigating? A guy that was mad at the world, especially the church, and was having him bound up and thrown in prison, ended up writing nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. That's what that does to you when you give it to him. Everybody say, I'm fixing to give my life away. I'm fixing to give it away. So if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I got some stuff that I need some help with. I got some stuff that I need to be free from. Some... I, I look, we all wrestle with different things, right? Some of us wrestle with what we say. Others wrestle with how we say things. And some of us wrestle with not saying anything at all. Bottom line is we all wrestle. And if you try and handle that on your own, you're going to come up on the short end of the stick. But if you begin to cry out to God and say, I'm not letting you go. I'm holding on with everything I got. You're going to find out at the end of that wrestling match, you walk a little different than you did before. Jacob's hip was out of joint. After I had a wrestling match with God, my heart was out of place. Well, I guess really it wasn't out of place. It was out of place to begin with, and now it was in the right place. So if you're in here and you've got something going on, I want you to come to the front right now. We want to pray for you. It may be sickness in your body. God's able to heal you today. It may be financial difficulty. God is able to bless you. It may be family troubles. God can work it out. It may be between your two ears. And God can fix that as well. So as they sing this song, I'm going to invite you to come right now. On the count of three, and I'm not going to hold. If you, when I get to three, I want you up here. One, two, two. Don't start and stop. <laughs> come on up here and stand with me. You know what these people are? Oh, these people all got a bunch of problems. Now, these people are smart enough to realize that I can't deal with my problems on my own and the other thing is this they're smart enough to realize that God doesn't want them to deal with their problems on their own why in the world do you ever do tag team wrestling yeah you know what I'm talking about you've seen it for sure right why in the world would I stay in the ring and take a beating by someone that's a lot bigger than I am when all I have to do is say hey Jesus <laughs> And when he steps in the ring, <laughs> the devil steps out. <laughs> when he steps in the ring, every demon trembles. Are you ready? Stretch those hands. Down. And I want you right now, I want you to get in your mind, and I want you to focus right now on what it is you're asking God to help you with. The Bible said if two or three would touch and agree on anything, 
that it would be done. I'm going to come by in just a moment and agree with you. So I want you to have it in your mind and in your heart what we're asking God for. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready? Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated, and we will shout it out, shout it out. Shout it out, shout it out. I will live, I will not die. The resurrection power of Christ alive in me. And I am free in Jesus' name. I will live, I will not die. I will declare and lift you high. Revealed, and I am healed in Jesus' Revealed, and I am 
telling you that there are days in our lives that we have to find that same confidence and stand up and look at our situation and speak to it and say I'm not coming against you the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus he bind everything that you're trying every, every once in a while you gotta have got to the point where you've had enough everybody said had enough my father-in-law used to get up from the table and he said, well, I'm fed up. He'd had enough. And so he'd walk away from the table. But we've got to do that with the devil. And I'm telling you, I'm speaking from experience. There have been times in my life that, man, he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. And I was letting him. Until finally it hit me. And I thought, you know what? You've pushed me the last time. 
And I didn't come in my own authority. I didn't come trying to set myself free. I cried out to God. I said, God, I need you right now. And in the name of Jesus, devil, you're backing off of my family. You're getting out of my life. Glory to God. Shout it out. You leave here today, you leave here with the confidence, knowing it doesn't matter what kind of mess I got myself into. There's a God that's bigger than my mess. And all I got to do is, see, we always trying to save ourselves. We're always trying to fix ourselves. I didn't know. Look, I got humbled the last couple of months to the point that I'm talking about, well, I'm not going to get into all the graphics of it, but I'm, I'm telling you, I was humbled. And I didn't want to do what they were telling me to do. But I realized I can't fix this. I can't fix this. And thank God that he got me to someone that could. He was mindful when I didn't even know. I'm telling you, there's nothing you're facing that he can't fix. Would you stretch your hands to heaven and just shout Jesus one more time? Jesus, we love you, Lord. We praise you. God bless you. We love you. Give him a hand clap of praise. One, one more reminder, those that are going to be in the Christmas program, instead of going to the chapel, go into the conference room. I'll be there shortly.